He goes and gets wings and throws them on the board. Yeah, listen, man, this guy's breaking <laughs> barriers down. You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Brought to you in part by two for one pizza.com. Enjoy plant based garden pets, stove pizza, pizza and wings, pizza and penne combo, and more. Visit two for one pizza.com. Welcome back in Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. Julie Tashari and Mike Stefano with you for the next hour. Craig Button will join us on the other side on the tale of last night's CHL NHL Kubota Top Prospects game. We're also coming off a Leafs win over the New York Rangers. It was 3 2. In overtime, Mitch Marner magic. But I think we'll probably start with the top prospects with Craig, A.B. Uh, so I picked the over for Connor, uh, Connor, Connor McDavid. Yeah, that guy's pretty good, too. Connor Bedard <laughs> last night to get four points. Four points is the record in the top prospects game. And Carlo Frankie and I were kind of, I don't know, shooting it around before the game as to as to whether or not he'd break it. And all three of us were like, yes, he gets four points. Yes, he gets four points. Yes, he gets yeah. four points. He went dash two, and he laid a bunch of big hits. Like, hilarious. <laughs> he was, he was like, I didn't watch the whole game, to be quite honest with you, but I didn't No, watch. yeah. I watched, uh, I, I think I got home in time to watch a bit at the end of the second and then the third period. Um, but it seemed like he was a little chippy out there and aggressive. Like, I, I watched the highlights. I saw he had that one good scoring chance and then was upset about it and went and cross-checked somebody. And then yeah. after, I think, was it the 3-1 or the the 4-1 goal where he just went up and cross-checked whoever scored the goal? And it was like, what are you doing, Connor? Like, I know. He's got an edge, edginess to him. You know I'm into that, though. Like, he's he's such a – he's a complete player in that he's a goal scorer. He works well defensively. You see the playmaking. You see the shot. Um, he – there's, there's, you can go on and on and on about Connor Bedard as as a hockey player and everything that he brings, but the intangibles, like the toughness, the well, the little bit of grittiness, just the the compete, like you could tell he's wildly competitive. Yeah. It's top prospects game. He's still going for first overall. Like that didn't change last night in that game, but he was so pissed, and I love that about him. What what I find interesting about Connor Bedard, and, and this is something that I want to ask Craig about, is like, is this anything that we've seen from these other generational talents that have come out, like these other first round picks? You know, ah. Craig, Craig put out a great ranking the other day, just kind of ranked the last twenty first overall picks and where he puts them in relation to where they were when they were drafted. So like, where did he have Crosby? Like, what was his evaluation of him as an 18 year old and McDavid and Ovi and Jack Hughes. And obviously Connor Bedard is the reason why he's doing this. And when I'm looking at Connor Bedard, like I don't recall these other guys having this type of edge to their game. Like I don't recall seeing, you know, Connor McDavid going out there and, and looking for hits as if, you know, he's it's just not something that I've seen a lot of guys. Ovi early in his career, Ovi was, was yep. a guy who definitely played so. uh, with a bit of an edge in physicality. But when I look at, you know, the traditional Canadian guys, I guess, the, the generational talents that have been talked about, you're looking at, at McDavid and, and Crosby, obviously. I just don't remember seeing that out of their game. So it's interesting to see Bedard has that different kind of element to uh, to the package there. 
Yeah, he's got it all. And and Craig Button had a first-hand look at it last night, so let's bring him in, our TSN hockey analyst and our, our director of scouting at TSN. Craig, how's the travel day going from, from Vancouver? I'm already home in Calgary. Wow, you're fast and efficient with the traveling. I, I shouldn't have even asked. Like, you are good. We were just talking about Connor Bedard and his game last night and, and the fact that he didn't put up any points, but he uh, on display last night was kind of the more edgy as to his game and, and his compete level. Does that impress you when it comes to a guy that uh, just exudes so much talent, the, the edge that he plays with? And is it different from the other guys he put in generational status? Well, what I would say to you, Julia, is, is, is I think his game last night, a big part of the edge in his game last night, he, he, he wasn't himself. He, he was unsettled. He wasn't yeah. able to put the doodles on the hockey stick. And That's that what it was, eh? <laughs> it was a big factor, Julia. I think it was a big I factor. I think so, too. Now, now you've got to tell everybody, you've got to tell the listening audience what, about the doodles. So I, I was doing social media at the World Juniors, and I'd have my pregame stop and chat with Connor Bedard, and he, he always had some sort of drawing going on the blade of his stick that he'd make up with puck marks. And in the gold medal game, he had a, a medal drawn. One game he had tic-tac-toe going. Uh, hilarious interaction with Connor Bedard. I said, is that tic-tac-toe? And he said, no, it's X's and O's. And I was like, oh, sorry, I gave it the wrong name there. But he usually doodles something on his on his blade before the game. And last night, Craig, to your point, he did not. And he was held off the score sheet as a result. So I can tell he's kind of a superstitious guy. I'm, I'm going to guess that he probably goes back to it uh, well, after Julia, last night. So we spoke to Connor Bedard a couple of weeks ago when he came yes. back from the World Juniors. And did he not go pointless in the game? the day before we had spoke to him, and you asked him the same question. What's up? What were the doodles? And he said, oh, I didn't have time to do it. And he was held off the score sheet. Yeah, but team guy, though, he said night, it was because the Pats were winning. Well, but last night, same thing, held off the score sheet. Like, I, I think that there's a correlation there. Doodle Is game, Craig. A-B-I-C. A- 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 doodles, no goodles. Ah, nice. No doodles, no goodles. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> do you think... Listen, uh, listening to the listening to you, uh, Julia and, and AB, uh, both of you talking prior. I mean, I think that Connor has a has a has a edginess to his game. It's it's not a it's it's. I, I don't think it's born out of you know uh, this. I'm going to be a physical player. It's just born out of his competitive spirit. And you know, like I think there was some opportunities in the game last night where. You know, you know, checking's a little bit closer, and players are trying to do their best against him. I mean, almost right from the get-go of that game, not not right from the get-go, immediately from the get-go of that game, uh, Lucas Dragosevic cross-checked them, and they were chirping at each other right off the bat. Now they're both lower, lower mainland, lower mainland, lower lower BC mainland around Vancouver, uh, and they grew up there. I, I have to, I have to, I not have to assume. They, they, there wasn't their first confrontation they've had over the years. They're both born in the same year, obviously. They and they play against the, they played against each other, and so I, I think the testiness began right from the beginning of the game. And I, I, I think it's just it just kind of it just kind of bore out that way. I, I, I think with any player, I, I don't think it was a case of him retali- being re- retaliatory. And he was just he was in the competitive spirit, and I think that's a good thing. You want you you want your players to be engaged. And I think that Connor's always engaged. He, he just got engaged in that, in that part of the game a, a little bit differently than maybe we've seen him. But, you know, I, I saw Sidney Crosby in his draft years uh, when he was 16 and 17. 
Sydney, Sydney took a lot of crap. He, he gave it back. And, uh, you know, Conor McDavid, if you recall, got into a fight. You know, there was some talk right. about him maybe not being part of the 2015 uh, World Junior team yeah. that won gold with the broken hand. So I've, I've seen these what I would call spontaneous combustion uh, types of uh, uh, edginess come about. So, so it's not like I haven't seen it from Connor McDavid. And certainly not, uh, I saw it with Sidney Crosby as well. Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder, too, how much of it had to do with the fact that, you know, because of his size, like he's he's known to be a bit of an undersized player. And, you know, he showed at the World Juniors, clearly it doesn't matter. He went and tore up that tournament, which is traditionally a 20-year-old's tournament, as you always say. But I wonder, too, like the fact that last night was a showcase amongst the best players in that draft, just the chance to show, hey, I do have this edginess, and, I, I you know, I, I am a no-nonsense type of guy, knowing all of the people that were in that building. Yeah, I, I don't think that Connor needed to show any other part of his game to convince people of, of something. I mean, his, his skills and his competitive fire, his skills are high and his competitive fire is hot. And like I said, I think it just manifested itself in a different way last night. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's Connor. Connor is going to, Connor's going to get invested in the game. He's going to get invested when it's, when, where it's hard and, Certainly when you have opponents that uh, want to show well against him and, and, and you think about the blue line uh, for Team White, you know, hey, that's, a, that's a great opportunity for every single one of those defensemen to show whoever was going up against Connor Bedard, hey, I, I can defend. I can show you that I'm going to defend Connor Bedard because for those six defensemen, you know, that's a real opportunity for them to show NHL personnel that, hey, we can hold our own against this top player. So, you know, maybe you should hold us in a little bit higher regard because we're showing you our potential to do it against NHL quality competition. That's two years in a row, by the way, by my count, that Team White has come out victorious. I just <laughs> would like to make that known. That might be something to do with, with uh, the color of the jersey. Uh, <laughs> you Listen, put it I, right. I got to say one thing. I got to say one thing, A.B., I know exactly I, I, where you're going right now. Yeah, okay, Julie, you do know where I'm going, <laughs> and, and and that's a good thing. Uh, but come on, like seriously, no pregame speeches last night, no introduction of the starting lineup. There oh, wasn't. Um, no, it's a sham. Oh, Julie, you know it. I know it. I mean, what AB did last year was brilliant. It was brilliant. Came in with the hat, with the fedora. It was brilliant. <laughs> like why? Like seriously. Uh, like Ron DeLorme and Stan Smeal, and I was talking with Ronnie for a long time yesterday. Like, like, oh boy, oh boy, I'm disappointed. <laughs> you set the bar high, AB. Yeah, I was a little they bit of not that last night was a snoozer by any means, but I think you know they well, probably could have used a little bit of a, uh, a pep talk ahead of the game. I don't know. Maybe they could have zoomed me in. I would have, I would have definitely done it for uh, for Team White, my my old. You know my old team. I'm an alma mater of Team White. I would have done that. <laughs> alumni. That's right. I'm I'm an alumna. Team White is my alma mater. I would have done it. But say uh, la vie. They still got the win, uh, and that's all that matters. Um, interestingly, though, yesterday you put out this ranking. Just kind of taking a look at the last 20 first overall picks, and you you kind of put them together from one to 20 as where you had them ranked 
from their, you know, as a draft prospect at the time. So you you had Crosby, McDavid as your one, two, and then Bedard coming in as three ahead of Ovechkin, Stamkos, Matthews, you know, Jack Hughes, all these talented players. Uh, how did you how did you land on uh, Bedard coming in as as you know a generational talent so high on this list? Premise the premise uh, for me was really simple. It was in their draft year, and Ovechkin, Stamkos, Matthews, none of them did have done, did in their draft year. What Connor McDavid has done. I mean, Connor McDavid has shredded the league he's in. He shredded the U20 tournament. So, I mean, we're not talking about where they ended up in their NHL. None of those guys did that. None of those guys did that. And as I started to go, as I started to go through it and inch through it and inch through it, that's why going into his draft year, he's number three. Yeah, really highly touted. It's hard not to have him in that category. With we're with our director right. of scouting right now, TSN Craig Button, and another former uh, first overall pick, Jack Hughes, has really been coming into his own lately. Craig, crazy goal uh, over the weekend, the no look move, and and that one pass where he was falling but ended up getting the assist. What have you thought of of his development over the past calendar year? So what I would say to you about Jack, and I'm like, listen, I've, I've watched Jack play since he was 11, 12 years old. So he's always had immense talent. The biggest thing for Jack was allowing the physical maturity to take place. He was in the NHL at 18. And, you know, anybody can argue, you know, he, he wasn't ready to, uh, to hold his own in the NHL. He, like he, he, he could tread water. He, could hold, he wasn't going to drown. And, and that's what happened. But now what you see now is a, is, is a more mature player physically and and with that physical maturity he's able to do so many more things in terms of holding off opponents he's also learned one of the things jack you know skating was so exceptional and it was it was no less exceptional coming into his in, in, in into the nhl but he was always able to use his skating to to create an extra half a second or to create three feet of himself but he said when he came into the league, he goes, geez, those defensemen are all good skaters. I didn't get that extra half second, and I didn't get that extra three feet, and I wasn't strong enough to hold them off. Now Jack has learned, and that's what smart, you know, highly intelligent, brilliant hockey players do, and he's physically mature. You know, he, he, he's the, he, he is the perf- to me, he's the perfect example of, yes, you can be a first overall pick. Yes, you can have this enormous amount of uh, talent. But there's still other aspects of, of, of in your maturation process that have to take place. And what we're seeing is that maturation book. He's always had the brains. He's always had the great skating and the great puck skills. Now he's added that physical maturity to his game. And uh, I will say this, Jack's only going to get better. And he's pretty darn good right now. Yeah, I think this kid's going to be uh, a superstar in the league for, for years to yeah. come. But you talk about other guys who – you know, it takes him a little bit longer to, to figure things out and, and eventually it breaks through, you know, to transition back into into the Maple Leafs. I think Timothy Lilligren is an example of a first-round pick that, right. you know, went through some lulls early in his career. And, you know, at one point, I think a lot of Leafs Nation were wondering, like, oh, is he actually going to become, you know, a bona fide NHL defenseman? I think what we've seen from him over the course of this season is we got our answer. He's definitely an NHL defenseman. But, like, what do you see as Lilligren's... Uh, ceiling, like has he kind of bursted through, and I guess maybe reset the bar for what he could become, based off what you've seen of him of late. So, so here's what I would say, AB is uh, I, I would ask the question is is what did people think he was going to become? I've watched Timothy play since he was 16 years of age, 
And Timothy was a, was a, was a terrific offensive player. Shoot the puck, jump into the attack. He was a, he was a real significant force offensively. And, you know, now he gets into his draft year and people recognize where he's at. He ends up being the 17th pick by the Leafs. And then he goes to the American Hockey League. And, and the American Hockey League is, is, in my view, not built for 18-year-old players. But it doesn't mean you can't learn. And, and, and I think one of the areas that, that Timothy started to, to build his game was, was, you know, playing without the puck because you don't have the puck that much. <laughs> and you're going to have to learn positioning. And you might not be strong enough, but you still got to be in the right positions and understand, you know, uh, about not creating vulnerability by chasing too far. So I think he got some fundamentals in his game. And at the same time, at the exact same time while that was going on, there was also this understanding, well, maybe I'm going to have to be a little bit of a different player than maybe I was at 16 or 17 and, and where the expectations are. I, I can tell you this. When I first saw Timothy play at 16, he was pretty dynamic. You go, geez, this is a pretty top-end player. Then you go through the draft year, and you're watching him again, and you're watching, you get a lot more opportunity to see him against different competition and see how he's growing and developing. And this is the player that I thought he could be like. It, like, you know, going into his draft year at the draft, I thought he could be like Trevor Daly. Trevor Daly, you go back and look at his numbers when he was with Sault Ste. Marie, he ended up being a third-round pick, I believe, to the Dallas Stars. Excellent skater, like a good competitor, uses his body well, you know, as an NHL player. I thought that's what Timothy could become. When I watch Timothy now play, I, I think he's – becoming a lot closer to Trevor Daly. Excellent skater, uses his body to defend well, you know, gets in the way of – like I'm watching him now in those one-on-one battles in the corners along the boards. People don't go through him. People don't go by him because of the skating and the body. And Trevor Daly was a really good, really solid NHL second-pair defenseman for for a lot of years. And I think that's what Timothy Lohgren – like that's what I see now – one of the few times one of my projections has turned out uh, with respect <laughs> to type of player. <laughs> but that's what I see in him, and, and I'm seeing real evidence of, of, of that in, in his play with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I think it's an important element to have uh, for a team. And just like Trevor. Trevor, Trevor was a Stanley Cup champion and a really, really solid player for a lot of years. So this postseason, 2023, Timothy Lilligren's in your top four, based on the body of work we've seen from him and, and everything we've seen him learn this season and, and essentially since he was put with Mark Giordano as a D partner last year, are you cool with him in your top four in the postseason? Right now I am. I mean, like, I, like, and, and, like and, and I shouldn't say right now. That's not fair. I, I, I'm going to, yes, I am. He, he hasn't given me any reason to doubt him. He hasn't. Now, you know, like you know, the, the, the challenges of playing the same team you know, in a, in a playoff series, you know, game after game, you know, but I think he can handle it. I, I, I really do. I think that, that, that Timothy can handle it and, and play those minutes. And uh, again, watching how he's played this year and, and even, even last year, you know, when, when he got in there and got comfortable, I, I, I definitely feel just, uh, confident that he can handle a top four role and, 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 and be strong. One of the things I, I think with the lease, I think a lot of times, They've become a much better defensive team. 
you know, yeah. with respect yeah. to, you know, not giving up, you know, the quality chances, the slot shots, you know, like they, they become really, and, and part of that was probably born out of necessity. Uh, and, I'm, and when I say necessity, necessity becomes, you, you want to win. You, 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 you've lost. Okay. What are some of the things, what do you learn, you know, when you've lost through the losing and, and a good defensive team like the Tampa Bay Lightning, but also it also becomes, you know, learning that through injury, you know, this is how we have to play. And then you go, wait a sec, we can have all the success playing like this, even with these injuries. Well, now when everybody comes back, we're going to stay committed to that. That's part of the progression and the development of a team as well. And I think that, uh, you know, Timothy has fit in really nicely with respect to that, to, to just being what he is. If, if people were still expecting him to be a, uh, a 40-point guy and, and their 45-point guy and get 10 goals, I, I, I think your expectations, you might be disappointed. But if you look at them through the lens of just a really good second-pair defenseman that skates well, defends well, plays hard, I think you should be really happy. Craig, uh, we, we had Jonas Siegel on the show earlier. He put out a, a piece about John Tavares, who's uh, approaching 1,000 games in the NHL. Number 999 will be tomorrow against Ottawa, and then 1,000 against Washington. I've found out there was one little nugget in particular that I thought you would enjoy that I pulled out for you. John Tavares, big pickleball guy. You know what else? He's Portuguese. Oh, that's true. Did you know that? I didn't know that. You said like, <laughs> is that a is that a part? Is that a thing? thing? A pickleball thing? Yeah. What do you mean? I don't. I don't that means nothing to me. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Michael. Come on. Listen. Listen. Hey, you want to know something? Doug McLean sent out a note the other day talking. He's taking up pickleball in Florida. He wants me to come and visit him. So, you know, pickleball is the rage, AB Julie. It's the rage. You know what? Cheryl Pounder keeps talking about taking the playing pickleball and she's, she's going to wipe up the court with everybody. There's been a few opportunities for her to show up at a scheduled matches where she has been a no show. Wow. So, you know, which is surprising. <laughs> I didn't know that you about know, Cheryl. Competitive. Oh yeah. Last year at the Memorial cup was the first time Julia, but anyway, well, well that we'll I defend her there. Nobody wanted to get kidnapped the way that you put yourself out there and offer oh, yourself yeah. up to get picked we, up from the we, TV we, we, we station. We were perfectly safe. We were perfectly <laughs> safe. Anyway, bottom line is is that pickleball it's it's become big. You look at all uh, all the all the people that are getting involved in it. It's a fast growing sport, and and to be honest with you, AB, I did not know that John Tavares was a pickleball okay. player. But uh, I, uh, you, you think about uh, John and, you know, 999 playing about, like, I mean, this has been one of the most consistent players in during his 1,000 games, you know, yeah. in the NHL of anybody. I mean, it, just Mr. Consistent. Mr. Here's, here's what I can deliver, and then he delivers it. I mean, it, it, it's quite impressive that – that level of consistency that he's demonstrated at, at a high level, by the way, for for thousand games after he plays and uh, when he when he does play thousand games, very impressive. Yeah, and there's you know a couple other you know interesting nuggets as to why like the, the way the guy takes care of his body, he's continually on a, a routine that's best for him, and uh, you know it's a really good piece. Everyone should go and read it uh, in the Athletic. Uh, Craig, really appreciate you taking the time. As always, uh, you probably didn't get much sleep. I mean, if you 
are already home. You must have had a real early flight. So you brought the heat. 15 a.m. out of Vancouver, but I'll be honest. I, I had a good five and a half hours sleep, and uh, you know I'll, I'll probably have a probably about a 45 minute nap this afternoon before before be ready for this before I play in my Thursday night pickleball league. Ooh, got to get a pregame nap in. Need that. <laughs> Need that. Craig, I'll leave yeah. you with this. I'll leave you with this. It's a great piece of advice. Keep your eye on the ball, pal. Don't use your face. <laughs> I never used, listen, I know you. everybody thinks I got hit. I tripped over my feet. That's how I got injured. I didn't get hit with a ball or a racket. I tripped over my feet. It was, uh, it was an unbelievable desire to make a play and not give up on the ball, and I fell, and I was oh. bleeding. And I laid your body on the line. That's it. Put the body on the line because you care that much. That dedicated to the game. All right, Greg. We'll chat next week. Have a good weekend. Yeah, you too. Thanks. All right. There he goes. Craig J. Button, our director of scouting, TSN, hockey analyst, avid pickleballer. Just loves the game. Oh, man. That is awesome. I've yet to play. I really, I do. I have never played pickleball. Pickleball is a very hot topic in Thunder Bay, Ontario, because (laughs) this is like such a random thing. Pickleball is like an inside joke, but amid the entire city, because for the longest time um, into COVID, there was no COVID in Thunder Bay. Like, I think Thunder Bay made it like a few months into the heat of the pandemic without a COVID case. Which makes yeah. sense. It's like in the middle of effing nowhere <laughs> up there. <laughs> so, but apparently in the summer of, like they had very little COVID. And then the summer of 2020, I think, when they, you yep. know, they kind of opened a few things. Patios were open. You could play sports outside, I think. I don't even remember how the whole progression of the pandemic went, the way things like opened and closed <laughs> and opened and closed. But I think at that point, that's what ha- was happening. And there was a pickleball tournament. And it resulted in a massive COVID outbreak in Thunder Bay. And it just became like the joke of the town that Thunder Bay had evaded COVID until pickleball Pickleball. eventually caused was this super spreader event in in Thunder Bay, Ontario. They evaded pickleball and evaded COVID. And then (laughs) those two came together. The city was was over. Funny enough, actually, it looks like Steph's uh, giving us, or maybe it's Josh. So it, we got a, a pickleball, Major League Pickleball, making its debut in Arizona today. Wow. I don't, Interesting. I don't know how, how Craig, I mean, that maybe that's why he woke up so early. Maybe he had to make sure that he made sure that, that he was watching what was going on here. Wait, but what yeah, the hell? Among team owners? Tom Brady, oh, LeBron James? Yeah, I, I, I did this. not know this. Yeah, we talked about this, but I think we talked, maybe you're away, but I talked about this with Craig before when LeBron bought a team and Brady bought a team. I mean, I didn't know it was all of these owners, but I knew that like LeBron and Brady were involved here in this pickleball league. Don't see any hockey names out there, but maybe when, uh, when John Tavares retires, maybe he picks up a pickleball league or a pickleball team. Although the money in these sports and, and football. He's going and straight Gary Roberts, I different. think. Just John Tavares up, oh, is going straight Gary Roberts. He's he's going to open his training facility, have a protein powder line and he's <laughs> I don't know. I don't he's, know. He's he's a family man though. I could see him just going up to Muskoka and just living life with the, with him and him and his boys. They'll be like teenagers at the time. Aww, I feel like he's true. a family he's gonna man. He's going to play for so that. long. I can't even talk. He's going to play for such a long time, I think. 
Yeah, will it be in Toronto? Do we want to get into that? No, let's not. God, do that. no. that's a lot of can of worms to unpack. We have to go to break in ten seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the other side, though, we get the Thursday three pack, and uh, I've put a list together of three off the radar least forward targets. I feel like haven't been talked about, but maybe, maybe the Leafs could have interest in these guys. I'll share those on the other side. I'm Mike DeSefano with Julia Tashiri. You listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Count to three? Yeah. That's your big advice? Count to three? Yeah. Whenever you get scared about anything, you just do this. Just count to three and then do it. So I give you to the count of three. One, two, three. Not only you and me. Got 180 degrees and I'm cold. All right, A.B. Thursday, three-pack time. It is Friday, Junior. Has this been a long week or a short week for you? What What is the vibe on the week? It's so funny you ask me that, Julia, because I came home last night from the game. I looked I looked my guy Mario, my roommate, in the eyes, and I said to him, does it feel like a Thursday to you? Yesterday like, was you such Thursday vibes. I don't know what right? it was. So yeah, today feels like it should as, be Friday. It constitutes as a long week then, right? Like we, I thought it was longer i guess like the week is taking shorter i i think it would constitute as it felt like a long week to me yeah i i think so too well we'll get to friday soon but for now trade deadline quickly approaching ab and this is one of your favorite times of the year and i know you're also a pretty good salesman i've seen your seen your headshot as as a sales representative so i believe in your abilities so here's what's going to happen you're going to present to me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I haven't seen you do sales, but I've had you sell me on statistics before. So you're going to present a case for each of these three potential trade targets for the Maple Leafs. And I'll, 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 uh, willing consumer will will pick a fave at the end based on these yeah. sales pitches. How about that? Yeah, you'll, you'll listen to the pitch and, and I'll listen to I the facts. That's I'll right. sit back. I'll have a sip of my Starbucks like a true executive, and, and <laughs> you sell me. <laughs> All right, I will. So, yeah, so for today's Thursday three-pack, we're looking at three, you know, off-the-radar least forward targets. So we're only looking at forwards today. I think next week we're going to focus on, you know, some defensemen, and, and, you know, we'll do that next week. But we're looking at three forward targets. And the first one I want to put on your radar here that I've been thinking about a little bit is Pavel Bushnevich of the St. Louis Blues. Okay. I'll tell you why he's kind of crept into my mind as of late. He wasn't You're liking the Blues lately, first of all. A little bit. I mean, it's a team that I think is going the wrong way, and maybe they decide to move off from some pieces. We heard Darren Dreger the other day on Insider Trading say that, you know, Ryan O'Reilly officially is on the open market. Does that mean that other guys on that team are going to be on the open market? And if that means that Pavel Bushnevich, who does have – term left on his contract is on a very reasonable 5.8 million dollar um aav with two years left on it like could they be willing to move on from him and and try and you know do that retool he's 27 years old so he's in the prime of his career three years in a row now he's a point per game player and i think at 5.8 million like that's a a pretty good number a pretty good ticket that they could get him uh, at and then they have him for two more years yeah a big reason why i bring his name up is because you know, we've had this discussion about whether or not you want to trade Matthew Nyes. And, and I've always, my stance is not for a rental. So not for Ryan O'Reilly, not for a Bo Horvat. I wouldn't want to do it for somebody who is a pending UFA. 
So it would take somebody who has term. So I went and I did some digging. Okay, who are some guys who have term that I might be willing to entertain for a Matthew Nice type of trade? And Pablo Bushnevich is that name that popped up for me. I think he'd be a perfect fit in this top six, a perfect fit alongside John Tavares and William Nylander, potentially if Marner ends up on that line. Either way, you fit him somewhere in that top six. He's a 30-goal scorer. He provides that extra punch. He's got a little bit of an edge, good size, six foot three, 200 pounds. I like Pablo Bushnevich. I think the number uh, is is right. He's got term on his deal as well. He's a player that has kind of, you know, piqued my interest of late. Okay, I, I that was a good pitch. I I don't love the fact that he's on the IR right now with some sort of ankle surgery for ankle yes. infection. That's a little so, gross. Yeah, there was a little a little cleanup <laughs> he had to get in the ankle. Um, I think it's like a two week timeline, and he should be ready to go in, in the next couple of weeks. And I mean, he should be fine. I don't think it was a, a major surgery. It's just a little Not minor. Not a flesh-eating type of thing. No, I think uh, I don't think it's flesh-eating, but uh, <laughs> it should be fine. I, I don't think he – it's not like a broken foot like we saw with – contagious? Uh, not to my knowledge. The room. Not to okay. my knowledge. I'll be serious now and let you present your second uh, your second candidate. I like that okay. one, though. You, you did a good job of selling me on it. Appreciate that. Uh, my second one, a little more off the radar, and this is more of a depth piece, right? We've talked about, you know, does this team, are they going to go big game hunting? Are they going to be willing to part with the assets to get a big player? Um, there's some camps that believe they will do that or should do that. But then there's others who say they might do a little bit more fringe work. Maybe their top prospects and picks aren't on the table. And if that's the case, you're not going to get some of these big names. So I thought of a couple of guys a little off the beaten path. One is Nick Benino of the San Jose Sharks. I mean, this is a guy that's been in the league for a while. And here's one that should be able to sell you. This should be the mic drop on you. Former cup champion. Guys won cups. He Love knows it. what it takes to win Stanley Cups. He's Dude, a UFA. they can't go into the postseason expecting to win rounds with not one guy who's won in the lineup. Like, not one. Uh, I mean, it's it's possible to do, but you definitely have a better chance, I think, when you have that veteran it's just experience. It's so nice to have like somebody who's been there, somebody who you can lean on that knows yeah. the day in, day in, day in, day out grind of of being at least in a deep run. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, no, I, I completely, I, I, I 100% agree with that. I uh, know. That fact. Jonas was trying to, trying but, to, um, what what word am I looking for? Recruit me to the cronies, and I was, there, I was like, oh, I'm kind of a boomer, but I've got a little crony <laughs> in me too sometimes. You are a little boomer. I'll, you are a little boomer here. Uh, you, you did bring up plus minus not too long ago, and we did have a good chat. Listen, you agreed with me. Do not leave me out to dry on I plus know. minus. I know, I know, I know. It, it has its place in the game. It certainly has its place. Uh, but, like, you know, Nick Bonino, I think, is a guy who's an expiring contract. He's making about $2 bucks, but I think he's somebody who, you know, on San Jose, they might be willing to retain, and you can get him pretty pretty cheap. And if you can get him at 50% retention, that's a million dollars. He is a perfect player to chuck on that fourth line as that veteran presence. Uh, you know, he can win face-offs. He's a 50% face-off guy. What's he got? One, two, three, four. Six straight years in the National Hockey League, he's been over 50% in the face-off draws. Uh, wow. He's somebody who we've already talked about today. We brought his name up, second in the league among forwards and block shots. He kills penalties. Now, he kind of is those depth players who can play other roles. And, you know, they don't necessarily have that as much right now. Like, we haven't seen Pontus Holmberg kill penalties. Currently, the team's fourth-line center. We've seen Zach Aston Reese do it. But I think Nick Benino provides, you know, better, I guess, penalty killing 
but also has a little bit of offense. Like this is a guy who has put up 30 points in the National Hockey League. You know, he scored 22 goals once upon a time. You know, he's got what 156 goals in his career. Uh, he's got 16 points so far this season. I think he'd be a really good addition to the team's fourth line if they're looking to make a, a depth move and could also improve on that penalty kill. And uh, you know, another guy who can take faceoffs. You know, uh, somebody who um, you can chuck on the fourth line and, and feel good about. He's responsible in his own end. And yeah. speed. He's got some good speed as well. Okay. That was a good one too, AB. Might be All more right. into that one. I think that yeah. was leading the way thus far. Well, that one's not, it's not going to cost you, right? That, that one's not going to cost you a Matthew Nice. Like, if you're looking yeah. to get Pavel Bushnevich, you're probably giving up either a top prospect, first round pick, maybe a combination. So that's going to cost you some, some serious assets to get Nick Benino I don't think that would take a whole lot like it, it's it's San Jose I mean they're they already made a trade yesterday I think they're they're this team that's definitely looking to move off of unrestricted yeah. free agents I don't and th- try think those were a couple assets. guys that were like I think Ryan Merkley had rec- requested a trade right Ryan Merkley was I mean I guess you would probably know a little bit more about him since you were covering the CHL at the time he was there but he was kind of uh, a little bit of a notorious name for sure. Problem child, maybe yeah. is a word. Like I think yeah. it was just time for for to go somewhere else, and we'll see what he can do in Colorado. But yeah, that was the deal that went down yesterday. I think Martin Kelt went the other way, and there was a couple other kind of minor league prospects involved uh, as well. But hopefully that opens up the trade market. I can, I, I I'm hoping that. Happens Please, world, yeah. give us some content. So here's the final name in my Thursday three-pack. So you got Pavel Bushnevich, who's kind of the big name out there. You've got Nick Benino, who's more of okay. a, a lower-key player. And here's someone you can plug into the middle of your lineup. It's Dominic Kubelik out in Detroit. Again, not sure if, I'm not sure if he's a player that they want to move on from, but he's kind of someone off the radar. It's a team that I don't believe is going to be making the playoffs. He's 27 years old, so is he going to be part of this team's core when they get there and they're going to be competitive? I'm not sure, but he's on a very good contract, making two and a half million bucks and and there's still one more year left on it so there is term there for a guy like Kubelik and he's producing he's got 33 points in 46 games this season it's dropped off a little bit of late but he's somebody who once upon a time with Chicago 30 goal scorer back in his rookie season prior to uh, the pandemic kind of cutting it short 30 goals in 68 games he hasn't quite been able to find that type of success but he's not someone who's been given a, a big opportunity for it i would say playing big time minutes i think he's averaging uh yeah he's averaging just under 15 minutes a game but you know he's someone you could plug into your middle six he's got a little bit of size you know six two uh 180 pounds i think he's somebody who could come in and either play on that second line provide a bit of offense but could also be someone who could play on the third line so dominic kubalik is another guy who i've kind of thought about and i'm going to give actually some credit to, to Frankie for putting him on my radar. Frankie Carrado was one. We were kind of shooting it back and forth a couple of days ago of, of some guys. I tossed out my Bushnevich, and he's like, ah, how about how about Kubelik? So I went and did some digging. It'd be a nice little pickup if they could you know, make that happen. So those are my three, Bushnevich, Nick Bonino, and Dominic Kubelik. Which pitch sold you most, though, JT? Um, first of all, I'd like to apologize to Matthew Murray because I, I disregarded him as a Stanley Cup champion when we were oh, just having true. that previous chat, but yeah, he's between the pipes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's why I remembered because it was, he started to talk about, but you know, I was like, wait a second, somebody else who's literally on the and leash was also there, but he might it not is, be on the ice either. He might not be. 
that's the other thing. Like, yeah. uh, goalies, you're kind of in your own world right there, back there. You can rally the boys between periods, but you're kind of on an island back there. I still stand by needing somebody on the on the player roster that's actually one. And Nick Benino is the one that sparked my attention the most. The cap hit, the fact that he's won. Uh, I don't love the fact that he's American and he's a UFA at the end of the year, but like you said, maybe you can get away with him just being a rental if, if it doesn't work out and, and you don't have to give up a whole lot. That's where he sold me the most, AB, I believe. Nick Benino? Yeah, I think that would be actually, like we talked about yesterday, needing maybe a punch on that fourth line, somebody who could provide a little offense but also is responsible defensively and little maybe more could grease. factor in, factor in on, on special teams there. When Timothy Lilligren like, gets buried from behind, like maybe yeah. somebody will do something about that. I yeah, know, maybe. I don't know if that's let's Benino, not get crazy. But. <laughs> yeah, I don't you know, we're not looking to get Matt Martin on this squad here. We know how that went a couple of years back, but I was uh, happy with it. I personally well, enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> That's cuz you're a boomer, Julia. We've yes. already we've already decided that. Yep. One. Um, but no, I, I think that there's like there's a bunch of other guys. I know MJ was on first up this morning. He mentioned Ivan Barbashev as yep. a potential option. So, you know, there's a couple of guys. Maybe we can play that on the other side, actually. Ivan Barbashev and, and MJ. See if MJ can sell me on Barbashev because he wasn't on my list. Maybe I should have thought about him a little more. So maybe we can play that on uh, on the other side. Um, before we take a break, though, congratulations to Mike Shaver, Shaver Mike on Instagram. You've scored a pair of tickets to the Leafs vs. Caps on January 29th. Follow at TSN 1050 on Instagram for your chance to win free at Leafs tickets all season long. That'll be Tavares' 1,000th game. Wow. So congrats. Be a good night. Yeah, you get to take that in. I would imagine there's going to be some sort of silver stick ceremony as well ahead of the game. So uh, congrats, Mike. Another Michael. You know, like that Another name. Michael. It's a great name. It's really a terrific name. I am Michael DiStefano for Julia Desherry. It's in the <laughs> Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. This one goes out to my steam room buddy, Rick Tockett. I'm going to miss that sweaty, disgusting body, my friend. This one's for you. Another turning point of folk stuck in the road. Yeah, a little pitchy. Pretty good. And, uh, in other news with the Vancouver Canucks, after... I think this is great. I think this I think is a great good. song. A little pitchy. Whoa, you have high expectations. This is, yeah, this is what this is, right? This biz yeah. and, and Lundqvist last night? Yeah. Lundqvist sounds great on the guitar, though. I think Biz is actually, Biz is pretty good, not gonna lie. I mean, much better than me. You can tell that there's emotion behind it. Anyways, in other news when it comes to the Vancouver Canucks, uh, they got torqued again last night by the, who was it? Who did they play last night? Uh, see, uh, no. Uh, Who did the Canucks play last night? I was watching the game. Seattle. Seattle, yeah, Yeah, they got beat up 6-1. I had too much hockey on at once. And that's what happens in my brain when it becomes hockey salad. Yeah. Uh, it was in Seattle. Duh. There was Bruce. There it is. Chance happening. That's Rick Tockett was speechless ignorance. after the game. That's just ignorant. Just flat out ignorant. Is it ignorant or is it hilarious? I don't think it was no, an indictment it's... on Rick Tockett by any means. It was just an indictment on like what people think of the Canucks right now. Yeah. And uh, speaking of the Canucks. Andre Kuzmenko has signed extension. 
Just explain it to me. Why? Two years, two years, five and a half million bucks for Andre Kuzmenko, 26-year-old winger, having a, a great rookie season with the Canucks. I mean, he's, what's he up to? He's, he's got, like, well over 30 points. He's almost a point-per-game player, I'm pretty sure. But why not this trade chip? No comprehendo. You know what, Julia? I, I honestly couldn't tell you. Like, he, he would have been a player that I'm sure a lot of teams would have been interested in. I mean, yes. Toronto should have been interested. He's a guy who's making $950 million cap and He's a point-per-game player. Like, legitimately, the guy's got 43 points in 47 games, 21 goals. I think they, they just like the player. They like what he's done. They like his vibe. You know, I've seen a lot of interviews. He seems like a happy-go-lucky type of player. Um, I remember he had that one interview with uh, – it was in the preseason, I want to say, and he was playing with Pedersen, and uh, he was going in on like a two-on-one or something like that, and Pedersen elected to shoot, and he scored, and he said he was going down the ice, and he was like, oh, I told him, I said, pass, pass, and then he shoots, and I said, okay, good. <laughs> like, it was just a really funny, he's got like that Samsonov vibe to yeah. it, in a way, but honestly, like, he's, he's just a good player, like he's he really is for this club. But to your point, he's 26 years old. A pending UFA could have probably got a decent return for him. And effectively, what this tells me at two years, five and a half million, bye bye, Bo Horvat. Like, oh yes, Horvat's gone. They don't have the money for him now. They barely have the money for him. Uh, I mean, Besser's under contract. Like Besser's there, right? unless they trade him. But if he's not he... going to be the chip, like who's going to be trade? Like I thought, because Menka was very well. Bo Horvat, like Bo Horvat now, like he's that's the trade chip. They got it. Whatever they get him, from Bo Horvat. But other than him, yeah. Luke Shen, who got in a huge tell last, last night. night. I was waiting for you to bring that up. Actually, it was a sick fight too. That was a good fight, and like that. Uh, who do you fight again? Big cat, big defenseman. Why am I blanking on his name? Played for Dallas for years. Alexiak, Penny Alexiak. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Alexiak is his name. Uh, big time. I prefer dude, Penny Alexiak's brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, it's kind of what he's turned into now here, especially in Canada. But uh, that was a big fight last night. But, yeah, a bit of a yeah, curious curious uh, thing for them to do. I know that they really wanted to lock him up and, you know, get him back into the fold. And, and I guess they've elected to go with Kuzmenko over Horvat. In the same way this past summer, they elected to go with J.T. Miller over Bo Horvat, and I don't see a way where they can now also go back to Horvat for a third time and be like, okay, now we want to bring you back. I think the money's gone. They they got to trade them, and they're going yeah. to, I believe, and I think they'll get a, a nice return too. Like this is yeah. the, the, this is a team that's looking to retool, not rebuild, as they've told us, as Jim Rutherford told us um, not too long ago. So. I guess that's how you retool. You keep your good players as opposed to you don't retool. Away. You do major surgery. Well, it, yeah. The Vancouver mix... Canucks are open on the table right now. They are well, currently... major surgery. You can't get much major than moving on from your captain. No, right? No, you can't. So, no, we'll see what happens uh, in Vancouver the rest of the year. But they they definitely got slapped around last night by Seattle. That's that's for sure. Poor Tocket. That, that and remember how much lasted one game. Yeah, that remember how much hoopla there was when. Uh, when Keith made that soft comment about the Leafs earlier this yeah. season, like yeah. two games into coaching the Vancouver Canucks, Rick Tockett drops that. That was soft. Like you hate to call your team soft, but 
That's <laughs> was soft. And that's just the worst, worst. Oh, uh, like nothing worse than you can a call player. a hockey player. Like you'd rather call them a serial killer than soft <laughs> in, in a hockey player's mind. Honestly, probably. Although, I've been watching Criminal Mind and rewatching it just for context as to where serial killer came from in my brain. I'm not actually a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this. Luke Shen, not soft, though. That, not that soft. Not a soft. Uh, He's a hard he, out. He brought it last night. All right, JT, fun show today. Uh, we'll be back at it tomorrow. We'll tee up the Sens and Leafs. Uh, should be a good show. Game 999 for John Tavares as well. We'll see if Matt Murray can stay healthy enough to play in that game. We'll find all that out tomorrow. If you missed any of today's show, you can find it on TSN1050.ca, the Art Radio app, or wherever you get your podcast. Gameplay with Matt Cause coming up next.